Hi, this is Tia Sirkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it began. A desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined, as always, by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. We're inching closer and closer to Star Wars Celebration, Jesse, and that means the closer we get, the more guests are going to be announced. So we have a whole slew of guests that are going to be announced, uh, that have been announced for Star Wars Celebration coming up in April. So we'll get to that in just a second, but... We always begin our show with the Star Wars news, so Jesse, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on with Galaxy's Edge? So, there has been released a slew of various books and comics and short stories announced to kind of gear us all up for Galaxy's Edge. Um, These books and comics are going to have little backstories that get us ready to be put into Batu and give us a little information about the story that we're getting thrust into at the Disney parks. So just to go through the ones that have been announced so far, um, there's going to be a comic miniseries that's just titled Galaxy's Edge that's going to go into um, introducing us to Black Spire Outpost. And the next thing is a novel by Dahlia Dawson called Black Spire. And that is going to actually feature General Leia Organa dispatching a spy to Batu um, in search for resistance allies. So that's pretty exciting. Nice. That's going to be coming out in September of 2019. And then the next novel is called A Crash of Fate by Zoraida Cordova. Um, that's coming out in August of this year. And just to read the little bio that's here, this is a young adult novel. Izzy and Jules were best friends until Izzy's family abruptly left Batuu when she was six. Now she's back and Jules, the boy who never left, is unsure of what to make of her. While on the run from vengeful vengeful smugglers and an angry pirate, the two friends will come to terms with who they are and what they mean to each other. That one kind of reminds me of Lost Stars. A little yeah. bit just that little synopsis there so that would be interesting and then there is going to be a myths and fables short stories book um written by george mann coming out in august as well and this one i'm really interested in because it's going to have full illustrations it's going to be kind of themed what you would think of a classic story of like you know the tales of grim or just like a classic like group of Disney stories, just a beautiful illustrated book. Um, and the very first story, you can read a synop- like a quick, um, it's not a synopsis, but it is an excerpt from it on StarWars.com, and it's pretty interesting. It is a story about sand people and the 
um, the dragon that raids their town. And to me, this dragon, which you can see on the cover of the book, seems like it is the the skeleton, potentially, that we see them walk past on Tatooine. Um, hmm. That's just kind of like what it reminded me of. So we'll see if I'm right. But yeah, so there's going to be short little stories in there about that. And all of these are gearing us up to Galaxy's Edge. And that's not even everything. They said that there's also going to be another kids comic book series. There's going to be a cookbook that is for Galaxy's Edge official cookbook guide. Um, hmm. And they said they're going to be announcing more novels and comics coming up soon. So yeah. there's a lot going on for <clears throat> Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, they're really going all out with this. And let's face it, though. I mean, we're all going to show up and be there and enjoy <laughs> Star Wars Galaxy's Edge without all this backstory. You know, it's cool that right. they created, like, this whole planet and, you know, Black Spire Outposts or whatever it's called. But to have an actual story for the interested parties and the diehard Star Wars fans like us, it's, I'm sure, going to be mean so much more to us being there right. after knowing the back the backstory. So. I feel like this is part of making you feel like you're part of the experience you know yeah. we're not just inside of a iconic star wars movie they've like given us our own little corner of the galaxy yeah. to put ourselves in and i feel like this is just part of developing that story disney is all about being immersive and you know giving each person their own unique experience and stuff like that so i think this is this is going to be awesome i can't wait to to check it out i want to um, live there <laughs> i'm not sure that's allowed but um <laughs> we can we can we can check on that for you all right so more guests were announced for star wars celebration and this is gearing up really to be a very exciting one we already have a couple like uh sam witwer who does the voice of maul and we had james arnold taylor who's obi-wan so we're getting some of these, you know, Clone Wars voice actors, and it got me thinking, well, there's got to be a Clone Wars panel, right? I mean, we know about Clone Wars Saved and that whole thing with the seventh season of Clone Wars coming out this year and, and all that. Um, they've got to have a Clone Wars panel, and so they announced Ashley Eckstein, they announced Catherine Tabber, um, Ashley plays Ahsoka, Catherine plays um, Padme. And they announced Tom Kane, who's Yoda, and also the announcer at the beginning of every single Clone Wars episode. And Dee Bradley Baker, who does the voice of Bosk and a bunch of the clones and a million other characters throughout, you know, the Clone Wars and everything. So with those actors, uh, voice actors being announced, I think it pretty much guarantees that there will be a Clone Wars panel, which is very cool. And they'll all be doing a bunch of signings, I'm sure. Ashley's always there with her universe, so it'll be cool that she's coming back again. And then Catherine Tabor, she's actually doing the voice of Padme in the new Padme novel um, audiobook. So that'll be cool to have a familiar voice there. Of course, you can't have Clone Wars and not include Rebels nowadays, so we have some Rebels voice actors as well. We have Vanessa Marshall, who's Hera, and Jason Isaacs, who's the Grand Inquisitor. Um, also, Lucius Malfoy, which is pretty cool from the Harry Potter movies. And then we've got Donald Faison, who is Hype Faison from Star Wars Rebels. We also have Myrna Velasco, who is... Um, 
Toradoza from Star Wars Resistance, which is awesome. And then uh, for those of you who aren't really into the voice actors as much, then we get a bunch of people from the movies. So we have Peter Mayhew, who is Chewbacca. We have Michael Pennington, who is Moff Gergerod, who's one of the Imperial officers at the beginning of um, Return of the Jedi and throughout that movie. We have Jet Lucas, who is George Lucas's son, who plays Zet Jukasa in episodes two and three. We have Tamura Morrison, who's Jango Fett, Daniel Logan, Young Boba Fett, John Ratzenberger, who plays Major Bren Derlin, who is one of the um, rebel officers on Hoth in Empire Strikes Back, which is really cool. We have Ken Luang, and he's he plays um, General Statura in The Force Awakens. And then we have Katie Cartwheel, who plays, um, she worked on Rio, uh, Rio Durant from Solo, which is pretty cool. So obviously it's it been a couple of weeks, Jesse, since we recorded, and there's a ton of guests. So you know as we inch closer, it's just, the list is just going to get even bigger. I know. I just feel like I'm going to be overwhelmed. I am so <laughs> excited because I've never been to a con where it's just everyone I love, you know, yeah. it's always mm-hmm. just general pop culture. And there's maybe a few people I'm interested in taking a look at and attending a few panels here and there. Sometimes I don't care to go to any panels at all, but I feel like at Star Wars Celebration, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to want to be everywhere. I know. There's nothing I'm going to not want to do. Yeah. And they make that impossible. <laughs> they make it impossible for you to be everywhere. So right. it's going to be stressful it's going to be annoying a lot of times with the lines and the crowds, but at the same time, like, I get super sad when celebrations are over because it's like, oh, man, you know, the days the days go by so fast. The whole weekend and, like, five days this year will go by so fast, and it's stressful, and it's really gives you a lot of anxiety, makes me anxious, but <laughs> I wouldn't trade being there for anything. Like, I love it so much. Tops, I believe, is doing the autograph area this time, and I think one of the biggest problems with the last Star Wars celebration was the autograph area. They were awful, just to put it lightly like that. They they were pretty bad. So hopefully they've got their act together and they can get some more stuff ready for this year. They they have been getting a lot of really great guests and a lot of people that you don't normally see. Um, like Michael Pennington, for example, he's this is his uh, first U.S. appearance, so they're getting some really good some really good uh, talent showing up at this one. A couple other things that we actually don't have on our list here, Jesse, but I'm going to mention them. Anakin's going to be coming out, I believe, uh, on Battlefront. Um, so he'll be Anakin will be out before the end of the month in Star Wars Battlefront, and they're also adding in um, a new game mode, another appearance for clones. So they're still producing more content for Star Wars Battlefront, which will be awesome. I'm already starting to save my credits because I love Anakin. (laughs) So I got to save up to make sure I can unlock him the day he's out with all his appearances. So um, very excited about that. All in one. Yes. And then it was just announced today, Jesse, that a couple new characters are going to be included in Galaxy of Adventures, which is pretty awesome. And those characters are going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi, Kylo Ren, and Rey. And they're also going to come with their action figures in the little, the little uh, cylindrical tubes. So that'll be part of one of the next waves of uh, Galaxy of Adventures. So obviously big fan of Rey, so I'm definitely going to have to get that one. 
All right, let's go into our main topic of discussion. And Jesse, we have two episodes of Star Wars Resistance to discuss. And as we inch closer to the finale, there's going to be a lot more to discuss. And and hopefully we find out who this this spy is that they've mentioned from day one. But let's go ahead and begin with our first episode for tonight. And that's going to be the Doza Dilemma. So as always, Jesse, I'm going to ask you right off the bat first impressions of this episode um i guess my first impressions would be just these both both these episodes were just completely sonara centric mm-hmm. i feel like i have been waiting for these episodes ever yeah. since we got introduced to sonara i have a lot i have a question posed for you about sonara but i think i'll wait a little bit before okay. i before i ask you okay yeah, I have a, a full page of notes here on on resistance, and a lot of that, uh, you know, it's Sonara centric. So that's pretty, pretty. Uh, well, we'll definitely have a lot to talk about re- regarding Sonara San. This episode, the Doza Dilemma, was one. It was it, an event occurred in this episode that I feel like we've been we knew it was going to happen, but we've been sort of waiting for it to happen, and that is the First Order executing their plan for the station for the colossus we've known for a while that the pirates have been in league with the first order and the first order has also been in contact with the colossus and you knew from the beginning that the first order was going to use the pirates in order to kind of like show the colossus that they're going to be there to for protection so excuse me we finally got to see that in this episode and um i thought they did it in a, a, a pretty good way I think you could sort of tell from the beginning or like as soon as they said, oh, we're going to take something from Doza that he's, you know, is close to him or whatever. I'm like, all right, well, this is probably right. going to be Torah. And sure enough, <laughs> it was Torah. And, um, you know, I really like Torah's character. Um, and it was kind of cool to see how the First Order turned on the pirates to bring her back. And still, Doza was a little bit, um, he was kind of skeptical of the whole thing, it seemed like, at the end. Right. Like, I still don't think he's... I don't... I think the First Order really thinks they've got one pulled over yeah. on Doza, but I think it just he's he's not so easily swayed as they're hoping he's he is. Yeah. I feel like he suspects that they had a hand in that. Yeah. Because even Tora, she was like, oh, you're here to rescue me? Like, okay. Like, she was right. surprised, too. Right. So... Because she's seen the First Order shooting after Kaz, who's one of her friends in previous episodes. Like, she's not, right. you know, she knows what they are, at least for, at least it seems like she does. But, I don't know. One interesting thing that I really started thinking about during this is um, Doza's Imperial uniform that's in his closet. And we only got, like, a very small snippet of that. And it got me thinking, like, why does he have that there even more? Because we haven't seen it since. Is it a reminder of his past? And if so, is it positive or negative? And if so, you know, why is it why is it located where it is? You gotta think, like, after the fall of the Empire, a lot of the Imperial, like, uniforms and stuff like that were kind of cast aside, or maybe the galaxy as a whole sort of viewed them as a as a negative thing and so a lot of people got rid of them which could be why the pirates have a lot of the 
the Imperial Garb. Like, a lot of the, like, Kragen oh. has one of the helmets and stuff like that, and a lot of the ships are made of Imperial stuff, and um, one of the other pirate guys has, like, a bandolier, but it looks like it has, like, Imperial um, ranking signia on them or something. And so I was, like, paying attention to all this, and then I realized, oh my god, it's taken me this long to f- to realize that Sonara, her whole bottom half of her outfit is a biker scout from Endor. It's a scout trooper outfit. And Had, I was like, like, knee pads or something, like, that looked very stormtrooper-y, but I did not realize that the whole bottom half of her. <laughs> yeah. Everything from, like, under her bust down to her shoes, down to her boots, is a biker scout. You put armor on that and stuff, that's a biker scout. But nobody knows on the Colossus that she's a pirate, really, until sort of, like, the end of these episodes, you know? Like, maybe Kaz has a little bit of, of a suspicion because he follows her and stuff like that, but... No one blinks an eye at Sonara dressed in Imperial garb. Either they don't know or they don't care. So, I feel like they don't care. Because even one of the aces has Imperial, like, TIE fighter. Mm-hmm. Like, his helmet is, like, a TIE helmet that he's modified. Um, I can't think of his name. He's really not had much to do with any of the story so far, but... But I wonder if it's just, like you said, like it's just stuff that's been thrown away and people have just picked it up. Or maybe he had something to do with the Empire um, mm-hmm. in the past as well. And but he if, just doesn't care what people think of him. <laughs> right. But if this is really the case, and people don't really care about their Imperial Garb, then why is Doza so protective over what he's got? It's not like if 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 it's really true that people don't care about people other people wearing Imperial Garb, then... No one should be shocked that Doza has an Imperial officer's outfit in his closet. I don't know. Right. Maybe being like, like just being like a average like tie pilot or a biker scout or just like an average stormtrooper is not as big of a deal. Like, you know, you were just a soldier. You just did what you were told. He right. has like a full like uniform that made him look like a high ranking officer that people might be less receptive to that because that would mean that they, this person was out to get whoever at the time, you know? They mm-hmm. had more influence in what was going on. So maybe people just, oh, you used to be a biker scout, you know, whatever. You enlisted in the military and it went wrong. Like, if you're an officer, that means you were really right into the Empire's whole thing. Right. So, and we don't know this for sure, but we're led to believe... Because Doza has this in his closet, a lot of that makes the audience think that, okay, Doza was a former Imperial officer. And if that's the case, you think that due to his high ranking, it would mean more for people to see that in a negative way than just for a random trooper's, you know, helmet or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I wonder if he has it there in, like, this spot in his office where he sees it often to kind of remind himself of, you know, how you could get wrapped up in something and it just not be what you think it is. Because mm-hmm. I, I just feel, I still feel like he is an inherently good person, and that's not generally what you think of when you think of ex-Empire um, officers, 
but I wonder if he was just one of those people that got like wrapped up in it and from his point of view the empire was great until it wasn't and now he keeps that as a reminder and maybe to remind himself that the first order like yeah some people might think this is great like even Tam is like oh what are you talking about they're just here to protect us and they helped rescue Tora why do you hate why are you so worried about them they're just here for our protection like I wonder if he's reminding himself like they're not just here for our protection like they're something else is going on just remember the empire (laughs) it's it's the same thing (laughs) yeah yeah i think we'll definitely get a lot more with that and i think doza is one of the most intriguing characters in this sonara right now is quickly becoming one of my favorites only because she's so she's got a lot of depth to her and one of the things that i wrote down in my notes for this episode is if sonara really cares about the colossus why would she let the other pirates onto the station you know does she still have a little bit of loyalty to the pirates still she didn't have to show up at the docks or whatever to receive the other two that came in to take Tora. Even if she didn't know they were taking Tora, she's still doing what Kragen asked. So, I don't know. Right. And as, I'm... like, the episodes go on, you know, we see a lot of really good things that, that Sonara does for the people on the Colossus. But, I don't know. What do you think about that? I feel like the more I've looked back on Sonara, the more I have felt like, is she, I mean, she, the pirates are obviously see her as one of them, but it also seems like every interaction she's had with them is kind of odd. Like they, she doesn't seem like she's on equal footing with yeah. them. And it started to make me wonder, and this is just kind of like a far flung idea I had upon rewatching, um, is maybe Sonara isn't really a pirate. Like, she is there, but I wonder if she is, you know, maybe she was, she's like a hostage that they're sending on a mission, a dangerous mission, and making her do the dirty work, and maybe they've got, you know, blackmail on her or something, and there's maybe there's just some other reason she's mixed up with them other than just being a bad guy that's starting to feel guilty about it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know, just the more interactions we've seen with her and Kragen and, you know, she's letting them into the ship, but they've not really told her what they're doing. So that I thought was really weird. Like, if you have a pirate spy, you have a spy. Yeah. You'd think you'd let them in on the plan before you enact it. Like, they, they don't give her, like, any information at all. Yeah. Which is weird. Well, I know that they probably communicate a little bit more than we see in the show. Like, I don't think every single time that Kragen contacts Sonara is shown. Um, but I also feel like Kragen, I mean, he specifically said he felt like Sonara was getting soft, and that's why he didn't include her on the whole plan. Because maybe she mm-hmm. would have, you know, um, tried to talk him out of it or not wanted to participate or something. I don't know. But we get a lot more on Sonara coming up in the next episode. Um, But before we start talking about First Order Occupation, do you have any final thoughts on the Doza Dilemma? Um, No. I think all my notes are just all-encompassing of both of them. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's begin our discussion on First Order Occupation, which was the most recent episode 
and we're going to talk a little bit again we're going to talk a little bit more again we're going to talk a little bit more on Sonara but it's kind of interesting because the first thing that I noticed was Sonara's trying to leave right we see her talking to the to the droid behind the counter about leaving and they said oh no we can't do that for you the first orders put a lock on the station um so even before they went to Doza I was like wait a minute how does the first order have the authority to lock down the station and deny the station's residents departure like that shouldn't be possible especially after the last episode where you know Doza kind of told the pirates off at the end um or not the pirates the first order the first order said that they were going to leave some troops there to keep order and everything and that's that's all great and nice but they shouldn't have the authority to shut down the station already you know right i feel like that's just like it could be just the sneakiness of the first order just like oh here we'll just leave some troops behind yeah and then your whole station goes on lockdown just like oh gee thanks but yeah they're gonna they're gonna take every ounce of power they can get once yeah. they're there the other thing that I really noticed at the beginning was there was that one Rodian guy who the First Order was coming to um, ask for identification and he couldn't find it and whatever. And then, guess what? My blue guy came back. He was in the background and he walked across the front of the screen. I guarantee you that that person has more to do with the story. I guarantee you. Are you talking about just, like, the little creepy guy with the cane? Yes. That just, like, walks really slow? Yeah. <laughs> He's been in so many background shots. I guarantee you he, something's going on. I'm not saying he's the spy, but I, I, I will say that I guarantee you there's going to be something that happens with him. Whether he just, helps or not. I don't know. I will die of laughter <laughs> if if that's true. Yeah. He's just like this creepy old man. He offered Kaz to like live with him yep. at one point. Like, <laughs> but he's the like the most unsuspecting character to have any sort of power on the station, right? Like they've brought him right. in. He's said words. He's he's had lines. You know, he's <laughs> had dialogue. And then they randomly throw him in here in the background every once in a while. And I know I brought up the the little janitor guy before too, but at this point he's had too big of a role. Like I, I think I think they they what we've seen of him, what we saw of him in this episode, no, he's I think that's what he is. He's a janitor and that's that's it. He's, I don't think he's got anything yeah. else to do. No. Um But that he's blue got no guy power. that blue guy though. He can't even Mark my words, everybody out there. <laughs> I think it'll be it's just like a creepy old man mastermind just waiting. If I'm wrong, you guys can all find me at celebration and start laughing at me and that's fine. <laughs> I will take I will take that that hit, but I think it's I think just you just watch. You just watch. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Sonara, right? Um well actually first before we go to Sonara, let's talk about Kaz. So Kaz is really coming into his own as a spy. He's beginning to figure things out. And it's not just, oh, we're in a tough situation, how do we get out of this? It's, how can I get information that's going to help out the resistance? And I think he's really doing that. And he's really starting to figure some things out. Like, at the end of this episode, or at the end of the Doza Dilemma, he's like, well, Sonara's either a pirate or she's in league with them. And, like, he's really starting to figure out 
you know, everything that's going on. He's following Sonara down to the docks. He's really trying to help her. And when um, the First Order comes looking for a pirate spy, they're like, oh, we're looking for Sonara-san and stuff like that. So there's a lot that's going on here with spying. And um, I really feel like Kaz is doing a phenomenal job. Maybe not getting answers all the time, but I feel like as a spy... It's, it's sort of like destroying Horcruxes, right? You're not going to find a Horcrux every other day and kill it. Like, it's going to take time to get information. Right. I, I feel like he's just perfectly placed himself in contact with so many of the right people. Yeah. You know, he's friends with everyone. It's he He's, like, hiding in plain sight, and it's working for him somehow. He's all the way from, he's got contacts up in the tower. He can go hang out with Tora whenever he wants. You know, yeah. he's got the codes to the tower now. Because, you know, if Sonara does, Kaz has to. Right. Like, oh, here, you want the password to the highest yeah. security portion of the building? Yeah. Um, but, but so, I mean, Tam must have it. Kaz must have it. So, you know, he's making friends in high places. He's making friends in low places. He's every, I feel like at this point, everyone in the Colossus knows him. And that is just going to be how he gets all this information. Yeah. And yeah. he doesn't always have to sneak around it's just like if he's just in he's put himself in the right places yeah and i know we've been getting a lot of sonara lately but i feel like that's sort of taken the place of yeager like yeager we got a little bit on his backstory and then now like we we know about marcus we know about his family we know about him serving you know as a rebel pilot and stuff like that and he was at the battle of jakku we know all this about Yeager, and then bam, stop. We don't know anything else. Like we haven't had a <laughs> Yeager episode in a while, so I think now, you know, after this episode, Sonara's back with the pirates. At least she's in their presence again, and she's not on the Colossus, which again is sort of an interesting thing. I think the only reason why she went with the pirates though is because the First Order wouldn't rest until she was off the station or captured. Um, right. Otherwise, she would have stayed. I think. But I bet you now that Sonara's back with the pirates, we'll get a lot more Yeager uh, in the next few episodes. I wonder if she's going to somehow stay in contact with Kaz. I bet you somehow, yeah. Yeah, and like reverse double agent it. Mm -hmm. Like maybe she's ready because she says, you know, he, um, Kragen asks Sonara if she's ready to be home and she's like, now more than ever, but like, she doesn't look totally thrilled but i wonder if that was more of a like yeah like i'm done with you guys yeah you guys messed up you know the place that i was starting to feel comfortable in and i I mean i wonder if she's going to try to take them down um and pass information along to kaz well i don't know kind of like you said and when we were talking about the doza dilemma the pirates don't really treat sonora very well and the people in the colossus really do like, the people in the Colossus love her. She's got friends in Tora and Tam and Kaz. You know, she probably makes a pretty decent living working as a, like, a salvager or whatever on a place that is all about, like, fuel and ships and races and stuff like that, you know? People are always needing new parts. So I feel like she really has a good life on the Colossus, and if she really had her own choice i feel like she would stay there right the interesting thing to me we talked a little bit about this who is sonara really though she she saves torah 
and she actually has an opportunity to leave, but she goes back and saves Kaz in this episode, smacking the troopers on the head with the wrenches or whatever she uses, you know? <laughs> so she really cares about her friends, and that shows a lot about Sonara. But she still has the ties with the pirates, and she's still... I don't know. It's hard. She's hard to, she's hard to place. No, that's what makes her so interesting. Yeah. But I'm, I'm also surprised by how quickly the pirates came and got her after basically just leaving her abandoned in the previous episode. Because mm-hmm. in that episode where they were kidnapping Tora, they had told Sonara that that was gonna, they were gonna take her with as well, yeah. and that's how she was gonna get home. But the two pirates that came on board that she let in thought nothing of leaving her behind. Like once that once that door closed, they didn't seem to think twice about Sonara ever again. Mm-hmm. And then they just left with Tora. Um, I mean, Sonara didn't care obviously because she was more worried about saving Tora. But I thought that was really odd that they had no care in the world, even though they told her they were going to take her home. They did not even try to stay with her. And then and then they just, as soon as she calls, they just came and picked her up right away. So I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, and it's really interesting, too, because why do the pirates care about Tora? Or about, uh, why do the pirates care about Sonara? The pirates, right. their whole big plan was to be in league with the First Order and, you know, things like that. The First Order turned on them. The pirates sort of walked away like with like dogs with their tails in between their legs, and you know it, it was almost like they they were wounded and they took a hit and they felt betrayed. They could have just left Sonara on the station, right? And for how you know they don't treat her well at all, you I, it just doesn't seem like they would care that much about her to come get her. I wonder that like leads me more to think that she's not just a pirate, that she is some other pawn to them. Yeah, they have another that, use for her. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, that'll be interesting to see, and, and obviously there's only one way to find out, and that's to continue to watch the shows. I thought it was pretty hilarious, actually. I almost fell on the floor laughing because it was just funny. Kaz has got to be the most awkward character just to be around. And if he's just not awkward enough, why don't we throw him in an elevator with Sonara with an awkward silence and random elevator music? Like, it was just so funny to me. I don't know why. (laughs) And just the way that all the conversations that they've had about, like, quote-unquote food and stuff like that. (laughs) It was just just a funny episode to me. I really laughed a lot, actually. No, it was because he was totally cool with saying the word pirate. In, in hopes that he wouldn't... But he's wor- so worried about he was going to get overheard. Pirate's mm-hmm. fine, but spy, we better replace that with food. That's just <laughs> too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. The other thing that I was going to talk about, too, is... I, I know I mentioned before, and it might have even been on our last episode, um, the relationship between Tam and Sonara. And you can totally tell in this episode that Tam felt really upset when Kaz told Tam that, oh, Sonara's gone, 
Tam was like, oh, I figured she'd at least say goodbye. Like, there was a sadness there, and I really feel like there's more to that relationship that we might be getting in the future. Yeah, I felt like Sonara actually brought Tam and Kaz together, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, Tam really wasn't super friendly with Kaz until they both mutually became friends with Sonara. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic changes without her. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of funny because some people are like, oh, well, do you think that Kaz is going to, you know, isn't doesn't Kaz like Tora? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if he actually does, but he's clearly infatuated with Sonara. So he's like yeah. smelling his armpits and Tam's always giving him <laughs> crap like, oh, he's probably just another excuse to go see Sonara again. You know, it's just, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if they even bring any type of romance into Kaz's life. Yeah, I feel like they kind of tricked us with Tora. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Tora was the one that thought Kaz was coming on to her. And Kaz was like, uh, actually, uh, sure, whatever. Whatever gets me through this awkward situation that I'm in. Um, But, yeah, so I don't think there's anything really there. But I would love to see something with him and Sonara. Really? Do you want them to be a thing? Really? I do. Hmm. She's, I don't know. I just think it would be a very interesting dynamic. And, I mean, I feel like in these... You know, I wanted something with Sabine and Ezra, but that never yeah. happened either. So, <laughs> well, you got Hera and Kanan, so <laughs> right, Canera. But <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't. Need, I don't need it, but I think it would be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's always the guy, though. Lately, you know, what is Ezra was. Ezra was always kind of, uh, you could always tell that he was kind of into Sabine, and Sabine kind of just never really reciprocated any yeah. of that particular kind of interest. Yeah. And I feel like it's similar with Kaz and Sonara, but Sonara at this point seems just kind of like, she can tell what he's doing, and she's she doesn't seem totally off-put by it. But yeah. that just might be my own hopeful projection. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, here's one thing that's sort of off the rails a little bit, but it still pertains to what we're talking about just now. So you were saying, oh, it's just, it's like been the guy a lot lately and stuff like that. And that got me thinking about Solo um, briefly when you were just talking about that with Han and Kira. And we will finish up on Resistance here, but I'm going to take this quick tangent. It seems definitely that Han obviously really has feelings for Kira and wants things to, you know, continue the way that they were before. And Kira's like, no, we can't. You're the good guy and blah, blah, blah. Our ship has sailed. And she's like, I'm not with Dryden. I'm not with him with him. You know, they have that whole conversation. Um, But do you think in Kira's mind, being that Valentine's Day is coming up, do you think in Kira's (laughs) mind that um, she really just doesn't feel for Han the way that she did? Or... She was trying to do what was best for Han by staying away from him because of who she reports to. I think Kira's really, really complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she does sincerely care and love Han in a romantic way as well. I think that's really sincere, but I think that because she knows how like just a decent a human being he is no matter how much he wants to project that he isn't i i just think she doesn't want to mix him up in that life and she 
and she I don't think she can get out at this point. You know, she yeah, knows she wouldn't trapped. be able to Right. She knows she wouldn't just be able to go off and have a life with him that wasn't continuously followed by Crimson Dawn in some way, even without Dryden. So yeah, I just I think she's kind of doing it for him. She's kind of mm-hmm. letting him go so that he can he doesn't have to be stuck with her in this life. Yep. That's a it's a big sacrifice right there. So that makes me even like Kiri more. I I agree. I think that's I think that's the case. Um but just a lot of interesting things to think about related to the uh the character development of some of these new Star Wars characters. Um, but let's finish up with Resistance. So, only have a couple other things to say about this. Um, we got to see that big beast again that's in the water. Can't remember the name of it, but uh, Bebo's mother, unless that's Bebo who yeah. grew really fast. Um, oh, God, I <laughs> But I think that creature's definitely going to have a, a part to play as well. They didn't have to show that beast there, you know. So I think yeah. it's going to have something to, to do. I kind of almost saw it as, you know, big scary monster in the water. You usually think of it as, you know, a kraken that's going to take down your ship. But I feel like it saw Sonara and was like, oh, she helped get my baby back. And mm-hmm. she just let her go by without any trouble. Yeah. I don't know. That's how I saw that cute little moment in my head, at least. <laughs> <laughs> All warm and fuzzy feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely some pretty awesome stuff. So any final thoughts on First Order Occupation or anything else you wanted to mention? I had a really silly thing that has been irking me for a while now. Um, I've mentioned it before. Commander Pyre, his Mm -hmm. shiny armor bothers me so much. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like he's like, like they couldn't afford to have Gwendolyn Christie be in every episode and they just want another shiny guy that couldn't be Phasma so they just made this guy shiny why does it bother you though I don't know it just does it just I feel like I felt like they made Phasma's armor such a cool part of um her story like the fact that she I mean, it doesn't really mean much unless you've read the Phasma novel, um, but her making it from a Nubian ship, and it has this whole huge backstory in her in her um, novel, which I really loved. And then to just, like, kind of discount that a little bit with just having another shiny guy. So you, felt, you feel as though Phasma should be the only one with, like, metallic armor? Yeah. yeah i feel like they're taking away from phasma's shiny armor i don't know yeah but this whole time i've also been operating under the thought that it's also silver and i've been so like i thought it was gold it's like it is yeah i've been so obsessing over this in my head that i actually like went on starwars.com and pulled up um captain pyre or commander pyre's little bio thing and it actually says in there that it's gold but in my head i think i've thought it's silver and like the reflections were just making it have more yellower tones Mm -hmm. i don't know what i was thinking but it's still even though it's gold and i was thinking it was silver this whole time with like weird reflections coming off of it 
I don't know. I just need to know if other people are bothered by this besides me. Am I <laughs> am I just obsessive and weird? Right. I well, think Phasma should be the only one. She's it also special. it begs the question, like, if Phasma has this, Captain Phasma and the end Commander Pyre, they all have metallic armor, is there a whole like line of commanders or captains or troopers or whatever that have armor similar or not? Is it just these two now? You know, I don't know. I just felt like she went out of her way to set herself apart by making her own armor. Yeah. And then they just buy shiny armor. Did he, like, have another crazy backstory that involved a specific shiny gold ship and he made his armor out of shiny gold? Right. I mean, it's it's really hard right now. Like, there isn't a lot for resistance as far as merchandise. And I... I am very excited because I got basically three of every Resistance figure today, actually. It was a very expensive day for me. Um, I bought one to open, one to keep in the box, and then one to get signed. And normally I don't open my figures, but because this is a brand new venture, like I had some Clone Wars opened and Rebels and stuff like that, so I wanted the main characters loose. So I bought three of every single one except for the Poe and BB-8 two-pack. Because if I get that, if I go meet Oscar Isaac, I'll probably get something from the movie signed by him or eight by ten or something. But that's it, really. Like just the action figures. There's nothing really else that's out there. We don't have any of the the visual guides, the visual dictionaries, um, nothing like that where we can delve into the backgrounds of these characters. And it could be because they feel like younger kids aren't going to pick up a visual dictionary and read about the backstories or it could just be because they haven't got to it got to it yet and it's coming at some point but we don't even have an announcement yet we get announcements on all these novels and uh you know galaxy's edge stuff and you know things like that but we haven't heard anything about at least and from what i know we haven't heard anything about the visual dictionaries or anything yet so it's all just speculation now you know, with the armor and the backstories on the pirates and, you know, how they got their right. Imperial outfits and all that stuff. It's just, it makes it for kind of an interesting, not that Star Wars isn't like this normally, but you kind of have debates with friends and stuff like that about what your theories are and, you know, things like that, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I feel like we'll start to get all those guides after season one. I feel like things like that will come out after season one and we'll get probably little comic miniseries. Because for Rebels, I think there was only one novel, right? That pertained to it, as far as I remember. Um, Are you talking about A New Dawn? Yeah. I think that was the only one, as far as novels went. I believe so. So I'd be kind of surprised if there was multiple novels for this i bet you it'll be more like little comics and hopefully we'll Mm -hmm. get a visual guide yeah i love the visual guides i hope we get one but yeah i bet you after season one yeah that'd be cool but we have all these voice actors coming to celebration so i'm totally set i got my my Yeager autograph or my Yeager action figure with bucket. He comes with a little bucket. It looks so cute. And then <laughs> I've got my Kaz figure. I've got I've got a Sonara figure. I've got who else came out? 
Kaz Sonara, um, Pyre, Von Reg, First Order Trooper, Poe and BB-8. I don't know. It's awesome, though. If you like the show, I highly recommend picking up the figures. I like the new packaging and everything, too. They're pretty cool. All right. Well, that'll pretty much do it, Jesse, for this episode of Twin Suns Transmission. So um, why don't you tell people where they can find us on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the handle at Twin Suns Outpost. All right. And if you're looking for different places to listen to our show, you can listen to us on our website, which is www.twinsunsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side, and you'll have all of our shows right there. You can also listen to us on iTunes, and you can find us on the Star Wars podcast app from the Google Play Store. And if you like our show, you think we're pretty wizard, feel free to leave us a review on any one of those platforms. All right, that'll do it once again for episode 132 of Twin Suns Transmission. We'll see you next time, and may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Air Master, Tatooine. It's controlled by the Hut. Rendezvous point on Halloween. This time you will not have to meet the king.